in this episode of the Deming Institute podcast, Ravi Roy and Mike Maurer of Southern Utah University discuss how they have embraced the Deming philosophy in the aviation program and changed 60-year-old thinking. Hi, I'm Trip Babbitt, host of the Deming Institute podcast. My guests today are Ravi Roy and Mike Maurer. And with Ravi, he was last on our show uh, November 27, 2016. So welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank so, you. So one of the things that you know, just got back from the Deming Institute conference, and I, I you know, heard the tail end of Ravi kind of leading into your discussion, Mike, about what you guys have accomplished uh, at the university. Um, can you share a little bit? I mean, we don't need the whole story, but but just kind of a summary of what you guys talked about, because I thought it was very interesting from a perspective of sometimes not a lot of cooperation between areas in, in education. Everybody's kind of doing their own thing and, and trying to propel themselves forward. But I thought especially the combination of your talk was very gave me a lot of hope number one and two was very compelling I, I just enjoyed how you guys fit the story together and everything so so why don't you share a little bit about what you presented at the conference because I don't want to steal your thunder there and just kind of summarize it was such an amazing opportunity you know as a uh, as a newcomer to the to the deming uh, you know deming philosophy as well as, you know, the, the greater Deming family. It was a very humbling experience for me to be able to get up in front of so many distinguished and well-respected individuals and, and really share what is, what is probably, probably the biggest Cinderella story that, that our university has seen. And when it comes to, uh, you know, flight training in general, the, the path that we were that we chose to follow, which which was really um, you know the uh, the Deming path, uh, as was uh, taught to me by my my friend and colleague uh, Ravi, it changed it changed how we operated as a flight school. It changed how we integrated within the university as a whole, and ultimately went on to change how aviation training is accomplished, uh, you know, nationwide and, um, and, and led to the passage of some legislation, which, uh, I was very fortunate to be able to announce when we were there. And I, I think that's the, that's the story. Um, and you know, I, I appreciate the words you said where you felt, you felt encouraged and you felt hopeful that, that this is being taken up. And, and that's exactly that's exactly how how we all feel here within the Department of Aviation at Southern Utah University. No, that's a, that's great, Ravi. Can you can you give us a little backstory on this? How did things lead up to you coming in contact with Mike, and you know how did this all happen? Well, the university is very supportive of innovation uh, in general here in a way that I haven't seen um, in academia. And so, what was wonderful is. Uh, when Mike and I were introduced, things just sort of click, and I was able to uh, share with him, which I share with anybody who will listen, 
my passion uh, for what we do at the Deming Institute. And I could just sort of see from a uh, bird's eye view that organizations in general could use uh, more of the thinking that Dr. Deming and the Institute um, tried to share with the world. Um, and some people are more receptive than others. With Mike, he immediately saw the application mm-hmm. and embraced it. Now, the irony of it is, is we were originally introduced because we have this uh, practice of taking up our VIPs uh, up in uh, aircraft here at the university. And uh, when Kevin Cahill volunteered to come out on his own and give a convocation uh, lecture, which is the distinguished series of lectures that we do here, and talk about the Deming Institute and talk about uh, his grandfather's philosophy, I was asked to make the introduction between Kevin and Mike, and then Mike graciously agreed to take us up and show us the majestic uh, Cedar Break Mountains. And that's how the introduction happened. And so it was already kind of um, a organic and natural uh, conversation because when you're, uh, as Mike always says, when you're up in, uh, in a helicopter or an airplane, you've got a captive audience. With the folks, really great <laughs> so who was it's the captive? Very it's very hard for people to disagree when they're when they're several thousand feet off the ground, and I have complete control of the aircraft. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Yeah, I I could completely understand that. I would not be looking for conflict in that that situation. So, Mike, when they started this kind of conversation, you know, Ravi's telling me that you were receptive kind of to the message in general, or else maybe you would have kicked them out off of the plane. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but, but what was it that clicked with you or what was it that kind of stood out to you? Because I tell you, I've worked with many executives over the years and it's not always a fun message. And I think if I would have been in an airplane, they probably would have kicked me out without the parachute. <laughs> Well, so just for clarification, and because I do need to, uh, I need I need to distinguish the the, or, uh, the type of aircraft. So I'm a I'm a helicopter pilot. And, okay. Um, um, and most of the time, when folks disagree with me, I just land on the top of a mountain and leave them there. I can figure <laughs> out how to get home. From that <laughs> but but I will point out that never once during that flight did I consider you know uh, leaving Kevin at the top of the hill. So. So the the introduction um, and this this meeting really in uh, in hindsight it was a, it was a very it was a very fortuitous meeting but not for the normal the normal reasons at the time the university uh, had a public private partnership with a for profit contractor and and this was this was in 2013. And when you have when you have two uh, organizations that that really have fundamental philosophical differences in how in how business should be run, we were we were really struggling. We we had the uh, the university side, which was very student and outcome based, and we had the uh, the private for profit company that was of course driven by revenue. Now, unfortunately, those two those two mindsets it's they don't survive in the same room for very long, and th- and that's where we found ourselves 
um, when I when I was lucky enough to uh, have uh, Ravi bring you know Kevin and, and the group over, and I I was struggling to just to figure out how we were going to survive, and and so you know enter Kevin, and uh, he comes on the scene and start you know listening listening to him you know uh, tell me about his grandfather and and uh, of course then that was followed on by. By weeks and months of, of Ravi, you know, uh, you know, following on with with all of that, but from from that 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 humble beginning of having having the struggle between public private and and a finding a way out, the light turned on. So the uh, the, the difference in philosophy between the, the public public university and the and the private for profit, you know, contractor. We as a we as a group and, and we had a, around 130 full time staff between you know pilots and mechanics and, and uh, admin folks. We really looked at, at where we were at, what we needed to do, and just really, really how wrong the the organization was being run. And uh, two years after that meeting, uh, the, that that group of very dedicated you know group of individuals. We were able to uh, facilitate a, a complete transfer from the from the private for-profit organization to a wholly owned and operated university program, and that was completely driven by by the, uh, the just amazing group of individuals that we have that we have as part of this uh, you know aviation uh, department here at Southern Utah University, and that was you know that spark. That spark was was lit um, by that by that meeting with with uh, you know Deming's grandson uh, Kevin and uh, who would have thought I, I certainly didn't you know I was looking for answers um, and looking how to save the organization and you know simply because Ravi decided to bring Kevin over and go for a flight it it led to the university taking taking the program over you now. That uh, that solved part of my problem. <laughs> okay, well, uh, it sounds like providence to me uh, from that standpoint. You mentioned in there in your conversation, Mike, about that the light that the light came on for you. Was it one thing, or was it just a series of things that kind of clicked with you? Yeah. So, so the the, the probably the biggest thing that came on, uh, or that was that was the aha moment mm. was was management philosophy. You can get you can get people to to work, you can get them, you can motivate them by a couple different ways. Well, the 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 company that we were that we were partnered with at the time, their management philosophy was, you know, I have this stick and I'm going to hit you with it until you do what I want you to do. <laughs> um, the the problem with that type of of management style is is it doesn't uh, it doesn't breed camaraderie. It it, it definitely doesn't uh, promote, you know, um, the right type of motivation. You know, people when they're managed that way, they'll do what you want as long as you're there and you're willing to hit them with the stick. The moment they leave, and in this case the owners, the moment that the owners left, it was it turned into chaos again. Um, so management by fear, which was rampant, that's that's how we were governed. And how things were were largely uh, were largely um, you know enforced. You you will do this, or 
you know, we're going to have to fire you tomorrow or we're going to demote you or do, you know, various and sundry things. Um, that was, that was really the, the, that was the biggest moment of, of that, that aha moment. Um, and it seems, it seems that that should be something that would be intuitive, but when you're, when you're entrenched and you're, you're trying to save jobs and you're trying to save, save, you know, a, a complete organization, we were literally all running around with our hair on fire, not realizing we, we can't survive uh, with this style of management. And so, so some of the, the, the very early lessons from, from the, uh, uh, you know, from, from Kevin and then on to, of course, Ravi, as he, as he really took on and took the reins and started running with this, it was, you can't, you have to eliminate fear. You cannot manage and, and try to control people through fear. It, it doesn't work. It is completely demoralizing and there is zero creativity. And if there's no creativity, it is very hard to grow and be successful. And so eliminating fear was really the biggest, the, the biggest thing that I got out of, of the, the days and weeks and the months that followed, uh, you know, Kevin's visit. And, uh, I mean, really the, the thing that I, I, how you do that, what we do, all these things, it, it really comes down to the, you know, the other 14 points within Deming's philosophy. Um, but fear was the biggest thing that, that we really saw to, uh, as, as a hindrance to our survival. Okay. And, and I, I'm going to uh, interject a question in here for Ravi, and then I'd kind of like to go back to this uh, after I ask this question, Mike. But Ravi, one of the things that, as he's talking, I'm sitting there saying, is this something you can apply uh, you know, elsewhere at Southern Utah University? Um, are, are you seeing op- more opportunity there that more people are kind of reaching out and want to, hey, maybe, maybe you could do something like this over here in this area? What's going on at the university itself with the success of applying Dr. Deming's philosophy uh, in the avionics area? So it's, it's a very interesting how this uh, sort of played out because I initially introduced the Deming philosophy to our Masters of Public Administration program. And we were seeing a lot of uh, these ideas resonating with uh, many of our students who are adult learners in service working in public agencies. And it was from there that I uh, actually reached out uh, to Mike and we saw the application. He was able to see the application. His staff was able to see the application um, with the same enthusiasm that our folks in the public sector at city and county level, even state level, were seeing. And so uh, Bill Bellows and I were invited, for example, as keynote speakers to the Utah City Managers Association in St. George last March to introduce uh, Dr. Deming's philosophy into uh, that organization and through the city managers. And it was remarkable to see when we would go to the different breakout sessions uh, Bill's talk being echoed, and one of uh, my own students, who is a city manager of Nibley, actually uh, based his whole presentation to a group of 100 city managers in the room. Um, also, uh, it was aviation that saw the most direct application in terms of their own operations, first and foremost, 
and will be a part of the curriculum as part of their bachelor's in interdisciplinary studies and master's in interdisciplinary studies in Deming quality. There'll be a track in that. But first and foremost, it was Mike who saw that there was a direct application to improve, as he explained so clearly and nicely, of how to get his own operation working uh, together with all ships headed in the, in the same direction. Um, but now what we're finding is, is there is an interest in our new school of integrated and engaged learning. And they, in addition to offering the curriculum in Deming for us, are interested in bringing this kind of philosophy into the way they work because they are the school of integrated and engaged learning. So it makes sense uh, because they work with all pieces of the university. And they work with all pieces in the university, including the community. In fact, that's their uh, the specialty. Um, they work with interdisciplinary curriculum. They work across departments. They work across schools. And they work with the community at large. So they're not only u- uniquely positioned, um, but, they, but the challenges that they face because of the necessity for interdependence and working interdependently and the necessity for uh, integration and cooperation uh, this is very uh, meaningful for them as well in the way that it has been for Mike, I'm starting to see. Very good. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds like something every university would need is an integrated and engaged learning because it sounds like it's a group of systems thinkers, although we, we would hope we would all be, but it sounds like a group kind of dedicated to making sure you know, it's not just analysis, but it's also being able to put the pieces back together uh, in a way that uh, the whole works better. That's a that's interesting. That's good that uh, you've been able to penetrate kind of their thinking uh, with Dr. Deming's philosophy. So, Mike, let me kind of get back to you. There's there's one question that that you know I always ask people because it's it's different. I know for every organization, but you you you've kind of implemented this thing, and there were probably existing people within the organization that you know when you started kind of making these changes. How did they? React. I mean, was it just natural that they just go, "Oh, well, this is all awesome," or was it at first kind of they're they're doing what? Were they skeptical? What was kind of the the mood of people as time went on? Whether that be could be you know existing people would be new people coming in expecting you know kind of the same old same old. So, what what's your view on that? Well, you know, it's it's interesting you bring that up uh, as as we were you know earlier in this in this podcast. Um, I was talking about that that separation from the from the private for profit and that that was just one of my issues the the second was the uh, the institution of higher learning you know the the university aspect of it folks at universities tend to be fairly entrenched um, they've done things the same way for forever um, and change is something that is scary and and uh, um, they're, they're very reluctant to do the world of aviation is the exact opposite of that. If you're not innovating, you're losing. If you are, if you are not, um, you know, utilizing everybody's talents to the, the utmost, you're not, you know, achieving your full potential. And, um, so, you know, I, I really hoped that, uh, you know, working, uh, working with the university and, and, you know, instituting many of the, uh, the, the, the Deming thoughts and the Deming, the 14 points would have been easy. Um, that was probably at least as big of a challenge, 
uh, as as the actual separation um, and the assumption by the university of the program as a whole. And unfortunately, and, and this is one of the things I, I spoke about in in my uh, in my uh, discussion there at the uh, conference was. Um, Unfortunately, people have a very short memory, and we have largely uh, we have largely forgot Deming's name and, and what Deming um, you know Deming stood for and what what he taught. And I'm, I'm generalizing, of course. There's there's definitely some organizations and some and folks out there that haven't, but I think largely we have, and that's why. You know the title for the for the conference, Why Deming, Why Now, was so so perfectly phrased. I I think in the the situation where we're currently at, we need it more than ever. So mm-hmm. so so going forward and and talking uh, talking to folks on campus, of course, we had full support from from the administration um, and my bosses, which uh, the the president, the vice president, the provost provost um, who I report to, fully supported. Uh, integration and everything else like that. But so, so let, let me just ask this question real quick, Mike. Was that what did they embrace it out of uh, desperation, or they got it, or we got to let them try something? What was kind of the mindset? Yeah. So, and that's a very good question. So, when when I made the initial proposal to the president, President Scott Wyatt, who uh, was very gracious and, and gave the, uh, the intro on the video that we, uh, uh, that we presented there at, uh, at the Deming uh, conference. He understood. And, and when, I, when I pitched it saying, hey, we've got to do something. And I, he and I went to lunch and this was, it's funny, over, over lunch, this is where this, uh, this whole thing came across. And I, and I said, hey, look, this is the situation we're in. We're, we're facing imminent failure. And this is, this is the path forward. This is what I think we should do. And he looked at me across the table. And, and for those folks that are fortunate enough to have, have met Scott Wyatt, just a, one of the best people I have ever met. He, he, he looked at me across the table and, and kind of lowered his head a little bit so he could look over the top of his glasses and said, well... We just need to bring the whole program into the university, and and to to put a dollar sign to that. Well, first off, 130 jobs were saved, um, awesome. which which cannot be mm. understated. Mm. Uh, huge huge investment there, um, and just staff by the university. And then for for those folks who have have had the opportunity to work with uh, a public either college or university the sheer investment and risk taken on by the university to the tune of $14 million. That was the cost of bringing the program over. Um, acquisition of hangars, aircraft, facilities, so on and so forth. And, and the only reason that that was done is because the belief in the people and the belief in the direction that we were going. So, I would like to say that it wasn't desperation. It was, it was really, it was, it was the belief in the, in the group as a whole and the, 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 the singular purpose that, that we presented and continue to present, um, which 
also happens to be one of the 14 points. Um, just going to plug that while we're talking about it. Um, that was why the university and specifically the president, the vice president, uh, the CFO, um, and the provost said, we're willing to take this risk. And, um, and I, and I had the opportunity to speak to the president, um, uh, yesterday. Uh, I'm sorry, Friday, Friday. And we have, we have some really cool things that hopefully we'll, we'll talk about here in a second. But he said, I cannot tell you how proud I am of the team and the accomplishments in just the last two years and where this program has come from where it's going, the impact that we are having nationally and globally because of what we're doing. Um, we have done, done things that no other aviation program has done. We have done something no university has done. And it is, it really goes back to that, you know, to that spark that was lit because Kevin wouldn't get out of my helicopter. <laughs> Despite trying to kick him out, right? <laughs> well, if, if, I, if I had any inkling about the amount of work that it was gonna that he caused me, I, <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's better than the alternative, right? No work. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, work or no. Work. <laughs> well, you actually brought up there. Have a good segue there during that discussion, which is so. What is the future? I mean, and, uh, you know, where, where is this all going? Uh, and, and I'd like to start with Ravi and then kind of end with you, Mike, on that. Well, um, first of all, um, it needs to be said that uh, we should have shared uh, the way we did in the presentation at the conference is that um, Mike has brought the Deming uh, incubator uh, into aviation. And so this is huge uh, for us. Um, he's, of course, the executive director of the entire aviation program department. And the Deming Incubator is physically, as well as intellectually and structurally, within his shop. And I'm, of course, the director of the Deming Incubator. So this is really a project of two people that really believe in the philosophy, but also believe in each other. And where you have those kinds of partnerships and those kind of shared mental models, anything is possible. But in the immediate future, we have the unveiling of Deming courses within a track that will be part of degree programs based on an experiment that Dr. Bill Bellows, Kevin Cahill, and I put together that we had delivered here at SUU along with partnership with the University of Utah initially. We test piloted that course. We're now going to pull apart that course and offer uh, at least three courses um, in the Deming philosophy uh, within the Bachelor of Interdisciplinary Studies, which also has a bridge into the Master of Interdisciplinary Studies. So there'll be a track actually in the Deming philosophy and the system of profound knowledge. So that's immediately. Of course, we have the annual, uh, now going on the third annual, what we're calling Bryce Canyon Society uh, Deming Conference. When the, and that conference uh, was started three years ago up in uh, nestled in the hills of the mountains, majestic mountains of Bryce Canyon. Um, and that is uh, about bringing two great philosophies together, 
of uh, Douglas D. North and his new institutional economics approach of uh, shared mental models and understanding the SOPK and the new economics and its founder, uh, Dr. Deming, of course, and bringing those, celebrating those two great uh, intellectual traditions together. And now we're going for the third conference. It's going to be held right here in the, in the hangar. The first part of it is going to be the intellectual part of the conference, and the second part is going to be Deming Workshop, where we're opening that to members of the community. In terms of uh, other future projects, I will turn that over to Mike. Okay. All right. Very good. <laughs> well, so so as, as we sit here, you know, all these all these years later, with this this department uh, that is that is poised to to change the world, um, some of some of our immediate uh, our immediate goals are, of course, to uh, to really spread this philosophy beyond beyond just our our department. And as, as Ravi said, the uh, the Deming incubator is housed. Um, and we're actually sitting in the Deming room, which is cool. It's a really nice conference room with, uh, of course, the, the picture of uh, the good doctor up on the wall with his 14 points and a, and a beautiful, uh, beautiful, um, beautiful sign. Looking out onto a hangar full of aircraft and helicopters, and so we want to uh, we want to get more and more of the departments uh, within the university to uh, to adopt this philosophy and and uh, move forward and. So we're we're always working on that, and I think we're we're doing what uh, what Dr. Deming would have would have uh, I think wanted, and that's leading by example. Um, and so so we're heading out uh, heading down that path. So some of the historic things uh, to touch on here before we before you cut us off because you're tired of listening <laughs> to us. I don't think I, um, I would ever be uh, tired of listening to this story. Well, challenge accepted. Uh, we will. <laughs> So we we started we started with some some antiquated FAA regulations, and this this is more to highlight what happens when you eliminate fear. You have uh, you know a, a, a constancy of purpose, and you you really demonstrate how every individual, regardless of whether they're in administration, in records, in maintenance, a pilot, um, IT, it doesn't matter. Once you get rid of, of those barriers and allow people to, to really start to, to be creative in, in thought, in action, what it leads to. And, and we took this group of, of, of highly motivated, highly intelligent, dedicated people and said, we don't like how training is being accomplished in, in the nation. And we have, we have several industry partners in, in the world of aviation, both on fixed wing and, and helicopter. And as we are looking to turn out the best graduates um, from our program, we didn't want to continue to teach under, under some of the old FAA regulations. And so a little over a year ago, we, um, we, started, we started our march on Washington. And, and that march really came down to a, a few folks that were brave enough to stand tall in front of, you know, representatives and senators and say, we want to see change. And, and so we did that. We looked at um, a maintenance, the maintenance training re- uh, regulations within the FAA, and the, the world of aviation is, is in dire straits right now. Um, there's not enough pilots. There's not enough mechanics. There's not enough cabin crew. 
And, and as we were looking to launch our maintenance degree, um, fall of 19, we didn't want to do it under the old regs. So, so we, we wrote the regulations. Uh, we petitioned the FAA, didn't get a lot of response. And, you know, go figure from a big federal bureaucracy. They didn't want to listen to us. Hmm. So we went to the, started at the House. Um, the House of Representatives, we have several folks that were, were very interested in helping. Um, but because of how our, our forefathers, uh, you know, very, I, I, when we talk about enlightened people, uh, our, our, our founding fathers, I don't know how you could get a, a greater group of people together, um, whether it was luck or by divine intervention, if you will, how they wrote what they wrote, but amazing. Hmm. So we weren't getting a lot of, a lot of uh, effective support in the House just because of, you know, it represents the majority. Um, and we, at the same time, started to uh, go over and, and you know, uh, lobby uh, and, and push on the Senate, who, of course, represents the minority, um, and had just a, a huge amount of success and were able to get the senators to maybe leverage the House a little bit. Well, the House passed our uh, our maintenance training uh, modernization bill first. That was the one one thing they did before the Senate. The Senate then passed our legislation, and then in a very uh, I don't even know how to say it uh, fortuitous happenstance, if you will. Um, while we were at the Deming conference, President Trump signed it into law. <laughs> so we changed. 60-year-old regulations within the FAA that governed maintenance training. And you can just imagine how much aviation has changed in the last 60 years, but the regulations governing how we taught maintenance never did. Wow. So That's almost so that frightening. Group, <laughs> I mean, for yeah. being a flyer. <laughs> kind yeah. of scares me a little bit there, Mike. <laughs> Try not to think of that when they close the door on that uh, airplane. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so this, this group of, of what I would like to call freed individuals was able to, to come up, develop this, push it forward, and change the law. Now, this, this is a really, really big deal because out of a little teeny public university in southern Utah, all it took was people with the courage um, to, to say this is, this is not how things should be done. And we changed, we changed the FAA. I mean, how does that happen? I'm still not sure how it happened, to be honest with you, but it, but it did. Um, so we will be the first in the nation to teach under the new rules, partly because we wrote them. I'm just going to put that plug in there. Okay. <laughs> um, and then, and globally, as we, as we move out with some of our partners in China and Taiwan and South Korea, when we start to talk and tell, tell our story about how this started really through the grandson of W. Edwards Deming, well, first off, they know, they know who Deming is, which is really, really nice. Um, but, but I think it just goes to show that y you never know where you can go once, once folks, um, once they're able to focus on the task at hand, and not worry about security, not worrying about if they make this little mistake, not worrying about the things that most workers in 
in maybe what I would call oppressive environments have to worry about. Hmm. And, and we as this little teeny university have, have done some amazing things. That, that's a really great story. I, I, I'm really happy I, I had both, both of you on. Well, my, my last question is the one I always ask. As a matter of fact, people were making fun of me at the conference, which is, is there anything that you talked about that you need to make some clarification? Or is there, is there anything that I failed to ask that you wish I would have? The, the the one thing that I'm I'm most looking forward to, as as we you know we have pilots flying on every continent, we will soon have mechanics working on every continent. Um, these these ideals and the the philosophy and the psychology of of W. Edwards Deming is now incorporated into into just about everything we do within the department. And as we go out and put more and more people in far this globe, we, we have the opportunity to, to have these little pockets of this culture, you know, as, as, as we seed these environments. And, and I think that's the thing that I'm most excited about. Um, you know, we get to, we get to participate in the spread of this, uh, of this, these ideals and, uh, yeah, that's 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 the thing that I'm most excited about. Well, and you should be. I, you know, I, I can't actually wait to get you both on again soon, <laughs> just to kind of hear because to me this opens a lot of avenues, not just for for your university or even you know your department, your respective departments, but for uh, people uh, looking for some hopeful solution for where they sit, especially in education. I. I know from having talked to, you know, business school deans and uh, presidents of universities that they all are afraid of the future and, and, you know, what it's going to be bringing. And I think you guys have put together a template here that uh, hopefully others will either seek out or, or at least begin to question, okay, I, how, what did they do? <laughs> you know, type of thing, and dig into yeah. it a little a little bit more because I, I think that's the beginning of kind of changing the world, if you will. Trip, um, since you asked, um, we would be delighted to speak with you on air uh, soon. And, and may I extend the invitation? April fourth, you join us here in Cedar City for our annual Deming uh, Bryce Canyon Society uh, conference and workshop. We could do it right here podcast from the event right oh, here wow. in the and um, I'd also like to make the mm. plug uh, for that conference to any of your listeners who wish to attend um, some of the other Deming events which are awesome uh, uh, cost money but this one is free if you can get to Cedar City the conference itself is completely gratis courtesy of Mike Maurer and the Deming Incubator and the Aviation Program and SUU uh, that that's awesome. Uh, hopefully, the, I can clear my calendar to, to be able to make it that uh, on that date because it sounds like it would be quite an event. And, and encourage other people. We'll make sure that in the show notes that people will know uh, about the event and, and get it on the calendar so uh, people can see some of the great things that you guys have put together. And and uh, actually, even by April fourth, I'm imagine that uh, it will have. Uh, progressed since we talked. So that, that'll be very cool. 
All right, gentlemen. Well, I really appreciate your time uh, being part of the Dumbing Institute podcast. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I, 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 hopefully you can make it out here and shake your hand. And and uh, yeah, we're we're very appreciative. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Deming Institute podcast. You can help increase our reach by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes or go to our website, podcast.deming.org, to subscribe. Also, rating us on iTunes helps rank us so others can find our podcast. <laughs>